Let's read together from the scriptures. We're reading tonight from Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11. We'll read from verses 1 through to 9. <coughs> Let's hear the word of God, reading, of course, as we often say from the authorized version. The most reliable and faithful translation of the scriptures. Genesis 11, verse 1. And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and they dwelt there. And they said one to another, Go to, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and slime had they for mortar. And they said, Go to, let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven. And let us make a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language, and this they begin to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Go to, let us go down and there confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth and they left off to build the city. Therefore is the name of it called Babel because the Lord there did confound the language of all the earth, and from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of all the earth. Amen. We know the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of his own precious and infallible word. Now, my text tonight is taken from Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 to 9. And my theme is understanding the great global reset. Now, immediately when you hear the words, the great global reset, you're asking yourself, what is it? And why is it so important that on a Sabbath evening, the Reverend McLaughlin is preaching on it? I want you to understand what it is. I want you to think it through. And I want you to learn, even this evening, three things. So the first thing is this, the topic of the great global reset. You see, during the past year, I have heard the phrase on the lips of politicians. It's been used in advertising adverts. It's even in the opinion pieces of certain newspapers. And I asked myself, well, what is the Great Reset? And I've discovered that the phrase is the name given to the 50th anniversary meeting of the World Economic Forum. And as far back as June 2020, Prince Charles of Wales 
He's the head of the annual Davos Summit in Switzerland. He launched a new initiative for the pandemic to be seen as a chance for what he called the Great Reset of the Global Economy. And if you go to the uh, World Economic Forum website, you will find plenty of information about it. In fact, there's even been a number of books written about it. One such book is entitled COVID-19 and the Great Reset by Claus Schwab and uh, Theory Mallorant. Uh, another book penned by Claus Schwab is this, The Great Reset, The Fourth Industrial Revolution. Now, as Prince Charles announced his new initiative for dealing with the uh, global pandemic of COVID-19, and thinking of what he said, this pandemic must be seen as a chance for what he was calling the great reset of the global economy. As he announced that, there was a flashy video launched behind him. It's available online. You've got a picture of a dead killer whale, a picture of a hurricane. It's a picture of a kangaroo doing something else, a number of other pictures. And of course, it was portraying a, a, a world of chaos and therefore in need of change. That's the mindset. So what is the Great Reset? You see, I'm glad tonight I'm not relying on second-hand, third information that someone has given to me. I have got first-hand information. Because, as I've said, on that Wednesday, the 3rd of June, 2020, with the entire world preoccupied with lockdown and riots, the World Economic Forum set forth their great reset initiative. So that's when it first was brought to my attention. The lips of Prince Charles said on Wednesday the 3rd of June 2020 that we are in need of a great reset initiative. Now this great reset initiative means what it says. The World Economic Forum and many high profile businessmen and politicians believe that the world needs a great reset tonight. Now, now think of this. All the world's social, economic, industrial, political, environmental structures needed to be greatly restructured, and the time to do it is now. I want you to understand tonight that the World Economic Forum is a very influential organization. Do you know that it links at least 1,200 of the world's largest, richest companies? It facilitates their interaction with leading and powerful politicians and governments. There's an inner group, I'm told, of 100 strategic partners that help shape the agenda. So you think of Coca-Cola? Facebook, Amazon, Google, PayPal, Goldman Sachs, IBM, MasterCard, Barclay Bank, Unilever, Volkswagen, and, and a number of others. And all together, those companies put more than 200 million per year to the World Economic Forum's budget. 
The World Economic Forum website says this about itself. The World Economic Forum is the international organization for public-private cooperation. The forum engages the foremost political, business, cultural, and other leaders of society to shape global, regional, and industrial agendas. The forum, as I've already told you, has an annual meeting in Davos in Switzerland. And this forum forum provides a platform for the world leaders, politicians, businessmen, uh, other industrialists to consider the global issues of the day and to have a chat so they can provide solutions to these issues to help shape and make a better world. And the World Economic Forum was founded by Professor uh, Claus Schwab. He was born in 1938 in Ravensburg in in Germany. He holds 17 honorary doctorates, I'm told, and many medals of honor from different countries. I want you to understand tonight. The World Economic Forum is a highly influential organization through which highly placed politicians, business people, Civil servants, heads of uncharitable foundations, scientists, all around the world meet to discuss and agree an agenda for the world. Now, here's the question. What is that agenda for the world? If we think of the topic of the Great Reset, Wednesday the 3rd of June 2020, that Prince Charles announced... In the midst of this pandemic, what we need is to seize the opportunity for a great global reset of the economy. You see, all of these people in the World Economic Forum, they believe, listen to me carefully, in an authoritarian socialist world government. So people like Prince Charles, even Greta Thornburg as a young girl, David Attenborough, Matt Hancock, the United Kingdom's chief scientific advisor, Patrick Valance, the other scientist, and I'll be very careful what I say, I could say a lot, I'll not, Neil Ferguson, they all believe in an authoritarian socialist world government. You see, in November, or on Wednesday the 3rd uh, of June 2020, there was almost 3,000 participants at Davos. 717 countries were represented. And they attended that 50th annual Davos meeting. Top leaders of the world. Business. Civil servants people from academia, people from the media, people from technology. Now ask yourself this, what is the goal of the World Economic Forum? What does it stand for? What is the ideology that shapes its activities and its announcements? What is the answer to the world's problems of hunger? The world's problem of AIDS? The world's problem of war, the world's problem of this COVID pandemic, the world's problem of climate change. 
What's the answer to the world's financial difficulties with its debt? They have one answer. And this is what they said. The Great Reset. The pushing of a button to reset the world. Now that's the topic of the Great Global Reset. I want you to think of a sister point, and I'll entitle it this way. The theme of the Great Global Reset. You see, if the answer, according to the World Economic Forum, to the problem of hunger, AIDS, war, pandemic, climate change, financial debt, is the Great Reset, what is the actual commitment of the World Economic Forum to to achieve or attain that goal? Now listen to me carefully. Let me just give you seven little thoughts. You've got the concept of globalization. That's at the heart of the Great Reset. The World Economic Forum is committed to the idea of a one-world government. Have you ever heard of the one-world government before? We have read about it in Genesis chapter 11. They are convinced of the need to progress ever closer cooperation between nations. In one of his books, Claus Schwab says, listen, more nationalism and isolation pervade the global polity, the greater chance the global governance becomes ineffective. Sadly, we're now at a critical juncture. Put bluntly, we believe in a world where nobody really is in charge. So what's the answer? The absolute prerequisite for a proper reset is greater collaboration and cooperation between and within countries. Now think of what he said there. We live in a world where nobody is really in charge. And what are they looking for? They're looking for a world leader to unite the world to bring the countries of the world together so that they can form this authoritarian, socialist, one-world government. Is it not the preparation, or at least the stage has been set for the preparation of the emergence of the final Antichrist? If the global elite, if I call them that, are looking for a, a, a leader to be in charge, then surely the stage has been set for his emergence. Another concept is what they call, it ties into globalization, is uh, collectivism. You see, I've asked myself this, well, if Klaus Schwab is right, if nobody is really in charge now of the world, and it seems chaotic, and it seems out of control, well, who should be in charge? And here's the answer. This is what they're saying at this stage. National governments, in partnership together with the business leaders, with the bankers, and other elite influencers. In other words, the people who come together at Davos each year. The 3,000 participants from 117 countries. You see, the World Economic Forum in its mission statement says this, we are committed to improving the world by 
collectivism. In other words, working together in partnership. National governments, the bankers, the business leaders, the elite influencers, the scientists, the experts, all working together in partnership for what is the best that they can dream of for the world and its people. So the agenda for any nation, let's say it's the United Kingdom, it's not going to be set by the people. It's not going to be set by you and me, the voters. It's not an agenda by the ordinary people, for the ordinary people. It's an agenda set by an elite group. And they have conferred and, 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 and decided that they're going to work together. Let me tell you this here. You're well aware and we not want to rake up uh, difficulties for any that the United Kingdom has left the European Union. Um, we call it Brexit. But the UK government, and I've only discovered this, and this was in 2019, this was in a part of the address given by the business secretary on behalf of the UK government, and he confessed in 2019 at Davos that the United Kingdom, now listen to this, would establish a new partnership with the World Economic Center for the Fourth Industrial Revolution. So you've got this idea, this concept of collectivism, a working in partnership together. There's the concept of environmentalism. The World Economic Forum is committed to action in fact, it says radical action on climate change. We're hearing a lot about climate change, aren't we? Radical action on carbon emission. Radical action on other environmental issues. The World Economic Forum website states, if you want to stay healthy, well, we need a healthy planet. That means we adopt and alter our behavior and its processes to build in society a resilience to the emergence of all kinds of calamities. Klaus Schwab says we have a chance to get this right. Protecting a much larger share of the natural world is an ambitious goal. But it is one that we will secure a vibrant future for humanity and all the spaces with which we share the planet. Again, at that 50th anniversary summit in Davos, Prince Charles launched what he called a sustainable markets initiative with the generous support of the World Economic Forum. You've also got, fourthly, the concept of a stakeholder capitalism. This is a model for businesses. Klaus Schwab, he first proposed this 50 years ago. Positions for private corporations to be trustees of society environmental challenges. In other words, if I could put it this way, wealthy men who run the businesses are to be the trustees of society, not only to run their business, 
but they're to help run and shape the city. So they're working for the benefit of society at large, but they also govern. They also shape that society at large. Do you see the danger? Power in the hands of wealthy men. Somebody said power corrupts. And I want to tell you, absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. Let me give you another thing. Fifthly, this concept of technological revolution. Klaus Schwab, who wrote two books on the uh, fourth industrial revolution, he states in one of those books, listen to this, we are on the brink of a technological revolution that will fundamentally alter the way we live, work, and relate to one another. In its scale and scope, and completely, the transformation will be unlike anything humankind has ever experienced before. We do not know yet just how it will unfold, but one thing is clear. The resolve to do it must be uninterrupted, and comprehensively, including all stakeholders of the global polity, from the public to the private sector to academia and civil society. Now, this is what he added. And here's the key thing in this technological revolution. Now, think of this. It is characterized by the fusion of technology that is blurring the lines between the physical the digital, and the biological. You see, that has to do with AI, artificial intelligence. You think of the power of Google, Facebook, Instagram, and their strategic partners working with the World Economic Forum to help shape this technological revolution. And it's making the way for the integration of technology as far as the human species is concerned. Another concept is the concept of economic reformation. See, the World Economic Forum says the economy is not working. You think of the debt in the United Kingdom, two or three trillion. Think of the debt in the United States of America. Think of the debt in Europe. It's about to blow up. In the economy of the world, 1% of the world's population, just 1%, holds just under 40% of all the private wealth in the whole of the world. And what's their plan for economic reformation? Now listen to this, and I'm quoting from them. Abolish cash. Central to the World Economic Forum's program is to become a cashless society for the whole of the world in which every commercial transaction is recorded digitally. That's what they want to do. Secondly, they want to implant the digital currency. And we've already got um, cryptocurrency. The digital pound. If it's not here, it's on its way. The digital dollar, digital euro, digital yen. So you've got to think of the rise and explosion of cryptocurrency. It's all connected, folks. They also want a, a universal basic income giving each citizen an income regardless of whether they work or not. That's socialism. Do you know that in California, they've just passed a law in the state of California where every citizen, now you have to be a citizen, for every citizen in California is going to get $1,000 every week regardless of whether they work or not. 
You see, that's connected to that and what big businesses are founded in California. Another idea in economic reformation is the redistribution of wealth. They want to share wealth more around the world. What does that mean? Does that mean that the wealth is going to give away some of their billions and millions? I would be very surprised at that. I'd be quite happy to take a million pounds from any of the millionaires in the world, or even a billion pounds if they want to give it, and I'll give it to the Lord's work, every cent of it, uh, to the glory of God. Another thing that they want is a shorter working week. Some of you might be happy with that, a four-day working week. It's already been talked about in Belfast at the um, Belfast City Council. Work less, cut out pointless jobs. See, machines can do them far better. Fewer errors. And then you will be free then to enjoy the things that you want to do. In this economic revolution, they also want unrestricted migration. Do you understand what unrestricted migration is? That means open borders. So a rapist and a murderer and a thief and a, a drug baron can, can, can cross the border willy-nilly and ply his trade or do his evil work. Another part of this economic revolution is to own nothing. A Danish MP by the name of I.D. Aachen, member of the World Economic Forum, and also a member of the Global Future Council on Cities and Urbanization, said this. So you've got to think of a, a Danish city. This is one of their uh, MPs. Welcome to 2030. Welcome to my city. Uh, or should I say our city? So he's speaking to his people. I don't own anything. I don't own a car. I don't own a house. I don't own any appliances. I own don't own clothes. We have access to transportation, accommodation and food and all things we need in our daily lives. And one by one, all of these things will become free. So it ended up making sense for us not to own much. All in all, it's a good life. See, that's all part of this economic revolution that's beginning to unfold. And seventhly, you've got inclusion. See, the World Economic Forum is committed to eliminating what it calls discrimination in the area of gender. So if Sam wants to become Samantha, they're going to support that. In the area of sexuality. In the area of race. Do you know that in California, if we pick on them, they have a list for the consensus and I think I'm right in saying there's something like 147 things you can be. You could be a leprechaun if you wanted. You could be a fairy. You could even be stardust. You don't want to say you're male or female. You don't know what you are. You want to just be stardust, and you can be that. And you see, the World Economic Forum is committed to embracing that, to endorse that, to, to engage. It supports like. Black Lives Matter movement. And of course, we preached a sermon in that and we encourage you to listen to it if you haven't already. See, they're arguing, but we're respecting human rights and racial equality. They're saying this should not be a passive concept of values. This is a call to action. 
to eradicate what they're saying is systematic and systemic racism. You see, it's all about making a new humanity. Now, now think of this. If you're sitting there wondering, right, we've got this topic, we know what you're talking about, the great global reset. What is it about? I've given you these seven themes. Globalization, collectivism, environmentalism, uh, stakeholder capitalism, technological revolution, economic revolution, cashless society, universal basic income, wealth redistribution, a shorter week, open borders, owning nothing. You see, let's understand this great reset and what it's supposed to be. The whole world is to be transformed and re-established on a different basis. So nationalism is forgotten. Individual nations like the United Kingdom don't make decisions. Those decisions are now being made by the whole world, by the conglomeration of natural leaders, business bankers, experts in various fields. Together they set the agenda. Industrial, economic, social, environmental. They set the regulations. You think of that. Everything environmental, social, and everything to do with governance by a global elite. I'm telling you, that's why that they have this concept at the back of our mind of an authoritarian, socialist, one-world government. It's all to do with tighter control. Every business, every individual, your activities being monitored and regulated. It's not easy with today's technology. You think of the technological developments of the past 10 years. Those developments alone could lift humanity to a new collective and a new moral consciousness. That's, of course, what Klaus Schwab wants. Cashless society. Every transaction tracked. Poverty a thing of the past. Citizens paid. Private property being abolished. Businesses owned by the state. Nationalized. Prejudice and inequality eliminated. You see, in the World Economic Forum and its leaders... I want to tell you tonight, and I say this sadly, they're totally serious. They are 100% committed to bringing this about. And if, if this Danish MP is to be believed, he's talking about 2030. So you've got to think of what is the next 10 years going to bring. And already because of COVID-19, they've seen the pandemic giving them an opportunity to push the global reset button. Klaus Schwab saying it must happen. Clause Swab saying it can happen. There has to be a merger of socialism and capitalism to form a one world government. Now that's the topic, that's the theme of the Great Global Reset. But let me finish with this the truth about the Great Global Reset. Do you know that this has been tried before? It's nothing new, an authoritarian, socialist, one-world government. And we have read about it in Genesis chapter 11, verse 1 to 9. Because when I first heard Charles, Prince Charles mentioning the Great Reset, there was one passage came to mind, and it was Genesis 11, 1 to 9. And I was thinking of the account that we read in the Bible of the building of the Tower of Babel. Here's fallen man. 
and an anti-God, anti-Christ agenda, trying to overcome the judgment of the Lord. And the Lord had imposed that judgment upon it after the flood. And what was their plan? Let's build a city. Let's build ourselves a name and a reputation. And part of that plan involved plan for a new religion. Part of that plan involved having a united front. Think of individuals, little, weak, vulnerable individuals, frightened. We're going to be scattered all over the earth. Remember the Lord's first command in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. Look at that scripture, Genesis 1, verse 28. What the Lord said. And God blessed them and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Come to chapter 9 and verse 1. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. But that's the last thing that the inhabitants of the world wanted to do. They didn't want to go forth and multiply and replenish the earth. They wanted to stay together. They wanted to work together. They wanted to live together. They wanted to achieve things together. They dreamed of a single world community. They dreamed of a city all united as one. They dreamed of having a single name that they could all share. They dreamed of a city with a tower, the top of which would resemble the heavens. They thought of the sky. The sun, the moon, the stars. That's where God lives. Let's build a tower so we can climb, as it were, and soar into the heavens and be godlike. Let's shake off our human limitation. Let's make ourselves safe and secure. Build a new world. But you know what it is? It's a world without God. They wanted to build a new world with this plan to build the city and have a name and reputation and a new religion and overcome the curse that God had laid in the world. And instead of wanting and waiting for the Redeemer to come, they believed that they could save themselves. This project that they entered into made them self-sufficient. But they did it in disobedience to God and his law. Three things as we finish. Bear with me for a few minutes. Think of their confidence. Why were they so confident that they could do this? Look at Genesis chapter 11. It says in verse 3, Go to, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and slime had they for mortar. Do you know what they discovered? They discovered a new technology. And don't we live in a day when there's a new technology? You, You think of the internet, access to the media, Think of this digital currency that's here, that's coming. But in in this day, in the first reset, they normally built with stone and wood, but somehow they learnt to make bricks. Somehow they learnt to bind the bricks together, not with mortar or slime, but with tower. Uh, So instead of moving outwards to subdue the whole earth, they trusted in themselves to build this city. And to build this tower because they had the confidence of this new technology. They refused to trust in the Lord to provide for them, to protect for them, to be present with them. They wanted to make it their own goal to build their city, their tower and their religion independent of God. Not only notice their confidence, but notice their challenge. See, the Lord came down and inspected their tower. 
He recognized their human achievement. Human achievement is real. And we have to believe that it's connected to um, common grace. But what was their achievement at heart? The whole race working together. Man rebelling against God and dreaming a dream that really God was not going to let happen. Because he took their capacity to communicate with one another and split them up, scattered in all directions. And that's why we've got a world that's made up of people with different languages to this day. A few stayed in the city and it was called Babylon. And the rest went off to build their own cities and the half-finished tower was a memorial to the builder's dream. They learned the lesson by not delighting in the Lord and defying him, the Lord can come and challenge them. Now let's finish tonight. I want you to think of this. Think of the consequence. So we've saw their confidence. We've saw how they were challenged and what happened. But think of the consequence. And here's and I finish. Mankind does never give up on the dream. And you survey biblical history, survey secular history. One ruler after another in biblical times dreamed of bringing the human race back together. We could mention them. Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, Cyrus king of Persia, Alexander the Great with the Grecians, the Caesars of Rome. And you know what? It stands up to the modern time. What was the League of Nations in 1919 all about? With Woodward Wilson. What, what, what was the... the um, uh, League of Nations now in 1945 all about you see there have been many modern successors in the world and they have had the same goal unite mankind whether they're willing or not or want it or not let's shake off every limitation to date the Lord has not allowed this to happen every attempt has been thwarted by God's mercy and God's judgment because every empire built in rebellion against God very quickly has become very inhumane. See, the sad thing is, and I finish, the World, Council, or the World Economic Forum believes that men are essentially good, not essentially godless. That goes against the teaching of the Bible. And if you're here tonight and not saved and outside of Christ, I say to you, remember the scripture that says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And sadly, members of the World Economic Forum believe that it's a deep-seated myth that human beings are innately sinful and selfish and innately uncooperative and aggressive. They, they deny that. But of course, that flies in the face of Genesis 6 and 5. Remember what we read there? And we read these words. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Human pride, human arrogance, human desire for self-sufficiency. Think of Klaus Schwab as we finish. At the present time, we live in a world where nobody is really in charge. And sinful human beings want to build a one-world government that's socialist and authoritarian without God. 
And I want to tell you tonight that somewhere in the future, and don't ask me when, for I don't know, some individual will emerge who will assume charge. And he will use his power ruthlessly to stay in charge and impose his will. What world leaders should we be looking for? Surely you should look for one who's worthy to rule. Is Antichrist worthy to rule? Absolutely not. There's only one who's worthy to rule, and that's our Lord Jesus Christ, the only Savior of sinners. And I finish with this reference in the book of Daniel, in Daniel chapter 7, and in verses 13 and 14, and we preached a whole series of messages on Daniel. Daniel said in Daniel 7 and 13, I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. And there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed. That's the only world ruler Worthy to rule. Everyone else is false. Reject everyone else. Let him have the last word. They haven't given up the dream. They want to fulfill the goal. And it's beginning to emerge until the day of Antichrist. And the final days. I'll have to leave it there. Time is gone. I was planning to sing a hymn, but it's now ten past. We'll just close in a wee word of prayer this evening. Lord, we close our service tonight. We think of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is absolutely worthy to rule. And we can say of him, thou art worthy. We pray for those who are not saved. Open their eyes to their sin. Show them the need of the Savior. Show them they have a soul that they need to be saved. And help them to repent and receive Christ as their Lord and Redeemer. Help them to bow the knee now before Jesus comes, lest they should bow the knee even before him and be cast into hell for all eternity. Lord, have mercy now. Take these few things we've been considering. Help us to think about them. Help us to remember them. Help us to learn from them. Help us to live in light of them and glorify thy name even as we part. Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ the love of thyself, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be upon us, both now and evermore, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you tonight. I'm sure maybe you have questions. This is a very big subject. Some people have preached five or six messages in this, so I've only scratched the surface. So if I can help anyone, please feel free to speak to me. I'm not saying of all the answers. Thank you, Lawrence.